It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. Senator Tom Cotton, welcome to the program. Hey, Bill, it's good to be on with you. Republican Senator from Arkansas, I recall you being suspicious of this story back in January. Why then? Yeah, so, Bill, I first started following this story in earlier mid-January about this viral pneumonia of unknown origin. I began to read a lot of the reporting on the issue, read a lot about past pandemics and responses to them, and it became pretty clear to me from the beginning um, that this was a severe risk to our public health and our economy in the United States. And, and that's not through any special scientific knowledge. It's just through common sense of following, on the one hand, the rhetoric of the Chinese Communist Party, um, which was soothing and calming and telling everyone it was under control and that there was no human-to-human transmissibility versus Chinese actions, which were extreme and draconian. I mean, they literally welded doors shut on high-rise apartment buildings. They shut schools down, not just in Wuhan, but throughout all of China. They allowed Hong Kong to ban flights coming from mainland China. The contrast between the Chinese communist rhetoric on the one hand and actions on the other hand is what told me from the very beginning um, that this virus was a grave threat to our health and to our economy. Just be clear on that for a second. So you're saying this came from you and your observations. Someone was not telling you this? No, I had no sources or no reporting at the time. I I can tell you, even though I'm a member of the Armed Service and the Intelligence Committee, I I didn't learn about this through official channels. Um, I just learned about it through the news that I follow as a senator, which is different than what I did as a private citizen. You know, I, I read somewhat obscure uh, news sources, especially whenever those obscure news sources have reporting that I think is relevant to my people here in Arkansas or around the country. And the best early reporting on this virus in early and mid-January came from East Asian news sources, um, like, for instance, the Asian Nikkei Review, or from some medical and scientific journals like Stat News or The Lancet. Um, They were well ahead of the curve uh, on reporting on this virus, and that's where I first began to learn about it. And then I started diving deeper into more official type work, you know, doing after action reviews of the SARS outbreak in 2003 or the Ebola outbreak in 2014. Um, But to me, it it was really just the contrast between Chinese rhetoric and Chinese actions that told me all I needed to know about the gravity of the situation when most of Washington was obsessed about impeachment. Hmm. So, you know, the news of the week that's um, being reported by Fox News and Brett Baer and several others that there is increasing confidence that this started in a Wuhan lab, not as a bioweapon, but as a mistake. You've read that report. And what do you make of it? I've seen Brett Baer's bombshell report to that effect. And I think um, that it just adds one more piece of circumstantial evidence to the case that this virus originated in one of those labs in Wuhan. Um, I was saying as early as late January um, that we needed to consider that possibility. Um, And as you say, there's lots of ways it can originate in the lab. Um, Only one of them is the so-called bioweapon or manufactured hypothesis. The more likely hypothesis would be it, it originated in the lab um, and breached, had an accidental breach. 
Um, now, we, we don't have direct evidence of that. And frankly, we may never have direct evidence of it, given the Chinese communist lies about this virus. But to me, the circumstantial evidence from the very beginning, with common sense and a little bit of thinking about the inherent logic of events, makes a pretty compelling case. Hmm. So here's that case. Yeah, I just want to be um, clear that with a lot of intelligence, it's not definitive and we are not characterizing it as such. So where does that leave us in, try, yeah. in terms of trying to understand that? Well, yeah, so, so here's the case I, I would lay out for your listeners. Um, we know the virus did not originate in the food market. Um, as early as January, an authoritative study in The Lancet, the British Science Journal, uh, looked at the earliest cases of the virus in Wuhan, and more than a third of them had no contact at all with the food market. We also know from the best evidence we have available that the food market didn't even sell bats at all. The Chinese Communist Party has since acknowledged that it didn't originate in the food market. So if that raises the question, where did it originate? Well, as I've said from the very beginning, it's pretty coincidental that China has these two virology labs in Wuhan. We know they research bats. We know they research coronaviruses. We know that Chinese laboratories have a history of shoddy safety practices. Now, thanks to Josh Rogan's reporting in the Washington Post, we know that our embassy in Beijing was worried about the safety practices in those laboratories going back as far as 2018. And we can also see the Chinese Communist Party's behavior about the origins of this virus going back to January. Mm. I mean, they would send the secret police in the middle of the night to doctors who were trying to blow the whistle on Chinese social media. Several scientists involved in the matter have disappeared. They have clamped down on any reporting related to the origins of the virus. They have destroyed evidence related to it. They have banned reporters from the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and the Washington Post from mainstream or mainland China. They have spread disinformation about this virus resulting from American soldiers who visited China last year. None of that is direct evidence. None of it is conclusive. But it's a pretty compelling circumstantial case that this virus originated in the laboratory. And as Brett Baer's reporting suggested, someone was exposed to the virus in the lab in this uh, hypothesis, and then they became the patient zero that seeded it outside of the laboratory. We may never have direct, conclusive evidence of it, but as you say, Bill, that's not the way intelligence often works. You have to use common sense, and you have to take all the pieces of evidence, circumstantial though they may be, and try to stitch together a mosaic. And on this one, I'd say the mosaic is pretty compelling. Just a few uh, quick-fire questions here. What is their incentive by working with this in a laboratory? So this is... This is broadly, Bill, what I call the the good science, bad safety hypothesis. There are plenty of reasons to research coronaviruses, especially in that part of the world where they have originated on occasion, um, as with SARS, now with this one. So to identify diagnostic tests for coronaviruses, prophylactic drugs against them, therapeutic drugs against them, vaccines against them. Um, So there there are sound reasons to be dealing with deadly pathogens. We have military laboratories in our country that deal with some of the world's deadliest pathogens. But our laboratories, of course, have world-class safety practices to prevent against a kind of outbreak like we may have seen in Wuhan. Will this ever be confirmed by Beijing? My guess is no. I I think you're right about that, Bill. Even if the circumstantial evidence is extraordinarily compelling, even if Beijing faces severe consequences, not just from the United States, but from the civilized world, the embarrassment, the humiliation, the loss of faith they would suffer, potentially the financial consequences they 
could suffer from a legal damages standpoint, I think will prevent uh, the Chinese Communist Party from ever being forthright with the world. Now, that doesn't mean that we won't get more compelling evidence of the origins of this virus. You know, just last year, someone within the Chinese Communist leadership leaked to the New York Times extremely damaging evidence about the series of uh, re-education gulags that Xi Jinping is running in northwest China um, in the province of Xinjiang, um, obviously in an effort to influence Chinese policy and damage Xi. Um, it is always possible that dissident elements of the Chinese Communist Party uh, might provide that kind of evidence, whether it comes to an intelligence service or whether it comes to a Western news oh, outlet. Interesting. We may get more compelling evidence, but but I don't think we'll ever see a Chinese leader standing up and confessing in front of the world to exactly what happened. You're listening to Senator Tom Cotton, Republican from Arkansas, and this is Hammer Time. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We now continue with Senator Cotton. Their foreign ministry spokesperson said a few weeks ago the U.S. military was responsible. And now we have this countercharge that's out in the bloodstream that we've been discussing. How would you describe the charges and countercharges? And ultimately, what does this do to our relationship between Washington and Beijing? So um, our charge... Um, at least as Brett Baer has reported, it is based on pretty compelling circumstantial evidence. Their countercharge is based on nothing but propaganda bill. And in fact, I would say their countercharge that the U.S. military may be responsible for spreading this virus in China is actually circumstantial evidence against um, you know, the natural occurrence hypothesis and in favor of the fact that it might, may have leaked from one of these laboratories um, because it's so preposterous and it is so far-fetched. And I can tell you they've been spreading that as a matter of official state policy for a month in capitals all around the world. But in my conversations with foreign ministers or ambassadors, no one believes it, and everyone is kind of amazed that China, which is responsible for this pandemic, uh, is trying to shift the blame elsewhere. Mm. I can tell you that for the relationship that we have with China, but for that most of the world has with China, is that increasingly China is viewed as a pariah state. Um, China was not exactly popular with the American people before this pandemic. You can only imagine now how our, our people view them um, when Chinese communist lies and corruption and incompetence are responsible for 22 million jobs lost, thousands of businesses shuttered, uh, tens of thousands of Americans' lo- lives lost, and unfortunately more. So I, I think they're going to be far-reaching and deep consequences for our relationships, starting with our trading and our economic and financial relationship. Mm-hmm. And again, not just in the United States, but elsewhere too. Japan has announced as part of their emergency relief package that they're going to begin to pay manufacturers to leave mainland China and come back to Japan. So those supply lines would become more diminished than they have been, which there's an economic cost to that ultimately. Um, well, yeah. So I, I think, and, and we're doing something similar. Yeah, I, I think one of two things will happen, and some of this is already happening as more and more business leaders recognize the risk of dealing uh, in China. One is that they may move to other countries, um, countries that are more friendly to the United States, like, say, Taiwan or Vietnam, um, India, um, or uh, with the right policy, and, and I think we should try to pursue this, they will bring that manufacturing capacity back to the United States. That's why I have legislation that would give incentives for uh, pharmaceutical companies to rebuild domestic manufacturing capacity here in the United States 
um, through tax incentives and creating a market through federal government purchases like at the VA or Medicare, um, but would also, at a date certain, just say you can no longer import Chinese source drugs. Hmm. Just a few more questions on this, Senator, and thank you again for your time. China, when this event happened, quickly moved to shut down domestic travel from Wuhan. But the international flights did not stop. Why would that be? Um, I I think, again, this is an example of Chinese treachery. Um, I believe that Xi Jinping and senior Chinese leaders made a deliberate choice in January that if they were going to suffer from this virus, the world was going to suffer with them. That they were not going to see their economy collapse by 25 or 30 percent while the United States and Japan and Europe continued thriving. Um, so you're right. They shut down all travel domestically from Wuhan. Uh, they didn't shut down Wuhan itself until more than five million people had left Wuhan from the rest of China. And then they continued to encourage international travel, even as they denied the possibility of human transmission of the virus, which they knew. They knew conclusively it could, in fact, move from uh, person to person. Mm. So in my opinion, they made the deliberate and conscious choice to send Chinese nationals around the world, likely carrying this virus and seeding it in countries throughout the world. And what you see now is a global pandemic. What could have been a local health challenge in Wuhan has become a global pandemic. Um, And unfortunately, the rest of the world is going to face the same kind of uh, public health and economic catastrophe that China was facing already in January. Uh, that, that is one heck of a charge, Senator. Uh, you, you're saying uh, that their intent was to damage other countries' economies and people, just like their economy and people were damaged. The Chinese Communist Party, over more than 70 years, has a record of killing tens of millions of its own citizens. Xi Jinping would think and stop at nothing to kill a few hundred thousand foreign nationals if it meant that China's relative power and economic wealth in the world remained at par with those other countries. So, yes, I'm saying that Xi Jinping and Chinese communist leaders have zero regard for human life, not their own citizens and certainly not the citizens of uh, foreign adversaries like the United States. And they knew full well by mid-January how dangerous this virus was, and they made the conscious decision that they were not going to allow China to suffer alone, that the world would suffer with China and that China would not see a relative decline of its economic or its uh, military power. One last question here in the World Health Organization. Uh, Our sources tell us that it was complicit from the beginning and helped China cover its tracks. If that is true, if that is proven, if that is thought by our leaders here in the U.S., What is the future for that organization when you consider the hundreds of millions of dollars that the U.S. government gives every year? Well, first, uh, Tedros has to go and his senior team has to go as well because he is complicit in this Chinese cover-up. Look, he was a a senior minister in the Ethiopian government when Ethiopia became one of the first uh, Belt and Road initiatives with China. um, And corruption follows rapidly with the Belt and Road initiative. So he's been in China's pocket for a very long time I think there's a reason why he consistently took the Chinese communist line in this matter. But even with Tedros and his senior team gone, unless the WHO commits to reform, commits to democratic accountability and transparency, not just for what happened uh, with this virus, but going forward in the future, then we need to have a serious conversation with our allies and partners in the civilized world about creating a viable organization that will be dedicated to world health 
not world politics. Senator, thank you so much for your time. Tom Cotton with some strong language directed toward Beijing, and we will see where the story goes from here. Senator, thank you for being on today. Thank you, Bill. I'm Bill Hemmer. This is Hemmer Time. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts.